Girlfriends, episode number 21, five things I've learned from running that can apply to anyone. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode of Girlfriends. I'm happy that you're here. I'm surprised that I'm here. It seemed like I was never going to have a chance to record this podcast this weekend. We'll see how this goes. I'm squeezing it in early on Monday morning. Um, I usually manage to get the podcast done over the weekend, but this weekend... I know all weekends are busy, but this weekend just seemed especially busy, especially crazy, especially hard to find time for anything extra. Every time I thought, I was like, oh, there's a couple of hours right here that maybe I can use. It would get taken up by something else. So we celebrated Dan's birthday this weekend, which was fun on Saturday, and we had a ton of baseball and, um, you know, the usual. (laughs) But it's been beautiful weather. We've been enjoying good weather. We've got kids in the pool. I think they're insane, but uh, (laughs) they're loving it. So starting that whole new season is feeling pretty good. Um, I just wanted to catch you up on a couple of things. Um, Some people were emailing me and sending me some questions and some tips and ideas about steps. Uh, I talked about tracking your steps last week, uh, briefly mentioned that I was going to be doing that. And um, I'm, I've been doing it every day and trying to reach that goal. And I have reached that goal of 10,000 steps every day, which is fun. I like having that kind of challenge. And um, I want to encourage you that if you haven't done it before, maybe you should do it. See how many steps you are taking in a day, how much you're moving in your day. Um, I found that even on days where I go for a run, if if the run is, you know, three miles or less, that I was sitting a lot of the time for the rest of my days. So I wouldn't necessarily get 10,000 steps in. And, um, you know, you may already have this information. I discovered when I clicked on the little health app that's on everybody's iPhone, you know, it comes installed on your phone that my phone was tracking my steps already. Um, Maybe not necessarily completely accurate, but I could go back, you know, through months and see um, how many steps I was taking on average every day. And uh, first of all, that's a little bit creepy. (laughs) My phone has been doing that for me. Uh, But also, it was helpful information. But I did realize I was a little disappointed with my step counts, uh, you know, going back several weeks, but I realized I don't tend to carry my phone everywhere I go. And if you're going to count your steps on your phone, you do need to carry your phone everywhere you go. So you get credit for those steps. And I've been making an effort to do that these uh, past days where I've been tracking my steps more consciously. And what I found is when you keep track of how much you're moving in the day, you just naturally start to move more. And, you know, that's something that doesn't take a lot of effort to just track your steps and be aware of how much you're moving. It makes you, you know, if you if you want to reach that goal, if you have a goal of a certain number of steps in your day, it makes you want to do that and look for easy ways that you can do that. And you can. It's it's easy. One of the things that I've done is, like, say I've got a phone call that I've got to make for work or a phone call I need to take for work. I'll walk during it. And there's no reason why I can't be walking while I'm talking on the phone, whether it's walking slowly on the treadmill or walking outdoors, which um, it's possible this time of year. Or, you know, if I'm at a baseball game, which I tend to be at a lot, there's no reason why I need to have my butt sitting in the bleachers through the entire game. Like, I can be walking. I can be walking um, along the perimeter of the field while I'm watching the game. And it's, you know, little things like that, I think, will add up to um, your step goal if you have a goal of a certain number of steps. So I love hearing from you. If you do track your steps, if you've had experience with this, good, bad, and ugly, let me know. Uh, Email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or leave me a voice message because this is my current obsession. (laughs) This is my thing that I'm thinking about. And I I think it really is a kind of a positive change in what have been my daily habits because one of the biggest eye-opening things was just because I'm running regularly doesn't mean I'm moving enough in the rest of my days. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to kind of keep track of that. Anyway, talking about running, this week's topic is related to running. So we're talking about five things that I've learned from running, and then I added that can apply to anyone, because 
I don't want you to think that this podcast episode is just for runners and people who enjoy running. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoy running. I've always enjoyed running. It's pretty much forever been an important part of my life. But the things you can learn from running, I think, can apply to anybody. And I fully recognize that some people are not runners. I mean, I'm married to one. that <laughs> They don't enjoy it. It's never going to be a, a way that they enjoy physical fitness. And that is fine. But um, some of the things that I've learned from running, probably you could learn from um, any physically challenging activity that you do on a regular basis. But I happen to have learned these things from running, and I wanted to share them with you this week. So, Five things I've learned from running. Starting out, the first thing um, is you're stronger than you think. This is something that I think about sometimes when I when I'm running um, or after I've been running for a while. Um, you can do things that seem impossible at first. That's something that I've learned from my experience with running. When you haven't been running or if you've never been a runner, you might look at somebody who runs a half marathon or a marathon and think that's insane. You could never do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can you're stronger than you think. You're more capable than you think. It's just starting small and working toward those bigger goals. Um, you know, you do it one step at a time. You you set one goal at a time. And not that everybody's goal needs to be running a marathon, you know, but I learned that you shouldn't cross things off your list as completely impossible for you. Um, sometimes we do that out of a certain self-defensiveness, and that's not a good thing. You know, I, uh, if you have a goal in mind, if something is attractive to you, is something you'd like to accomplish in your life, you can do it. You're you're stronger than you think. You you can set that goal, and if you've known other people who've accomplished it, you can learn the ways to accomplish it. That. Don't cross something off your list as um, something you could never do if it is something you would like to do just because you you think you're not strong enough to do it. Um, so in, in running, for example, um, you, there might be a race or something that you want to you want to do. And what I found is that if you push through hard times um, in running or in life, that you do end up achieving those goals. And, um, you know, sometimes on, on a run, you'll be like, you know, say you're going to run five miles. And that second mile might feel terrible. In fact, this happened to me yesterday. <laughs> I was running and the second mile just, it was it was partly because that part of the run is uphill, but it was also pretty warm out and uh, I hadn't really been keep, keeping track of when I last ate. And so I, I think I'd eaten too soon before running. Anyway, started feeling like garbage in that second mile. And I knew from past experience, you know, if that was my first time running, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is horrible and I'm stopping and would have just turned around and walked home. But I knew from past experience that you can push through that feeling, uh, which is miserable <laughs> in a certain part of your run and get through to the other side where you'll be actually comfortable running and enjoying the run, which ended up happening after that second mile yesterday. So that applies to life too, that bad times aren't forever. And hard times aren't forever. Um, if if you've ever run and trained for a race or tried to increase your speed in any way, you might have done something that's called a tempo run, which is, for those who don't know, a run where you run at a, a, a slow pace and then you um, run at a, a slightly harder pace for a section of the run, a certain amount of time or um, a certain distance that you hold a harder pace, a stronger, faster pace for a, a length of time and then you you slow down again. and Doing those kinds of runs, I found that I emotionally and, you know, kind of psychologically to get through them, I would picture myself like getting into that pace, which feels uncomfortable. You're going faster than is comfortable. It's a push and it's a challenge on you, on you physically. But I would say I can sit down in this pace. I can settle into this pace. I can hold this pace for X amount of time. And I find that that applies to life too, that if you're going through a hard time, if something's difficult for you, if you've got some major chore you're dreading, or you've got problems in a relationship that's important to you, you can get through that time. Just, you know, if you mentally and emotionally picture yourself doing this for a set amount of time, and, you know, then maybe reassessing or, you know, if if the thing that you're you're dreading getting through the hard thing is something that's going to be ongoing in your life or you don't know when the end is, then set an end time that you can reassess and reassess and readjust and 
that will help you emotionally get through that hard time, that you can get through something. You, you're stronger than you think. The next thing that I've learned from running that I want to share with you is that long-term goals are the most important. And this is something that definitely applies to all of life. But in running, it's the idea that you set a a long-term goal and um, whether it's you want to run a certain race or you want to be able to run a certain distance or for me in recent years, it's become very much more, I want running to be a part of my life you know, on an ongoing basis for many years to come. That's my long-term goal with regard to my running. I'm not running any particular races right now. Um, That's just not something that I think is good for me right now. It's not something that fits in my life. But I like setting my own goals. And I like having running being a part of something that I do on a regular basis. So with that goal in mind, then I need to set smaller goals to to reach that bigger goal of I want running to be an ongoing part of my life. Well, that means I need to be moderate in my approach to running. I need to not hurt myself. I need to make sure it's I'm using it in a way that I enjoy and will continue to enjoy for a length of time. So in running, you might set a goal of I want to be able to run four miles. And if you're not running, you can't start out by going outside and just running four miles straight. You need to work toward that bigger goal of, um, you know, running a, a mile or two for a couple of weeks and then adding on to your mileage and finally getting up to that number that you want to be at. In life, keeping in mind our long-term goals, I think, is so important because sometimes we kind of, you know, get lost in what we're trying to accomplish, the reason why we're doing difficult things in our lives, the reason why we're making sacrifices. And it's really important, I think, to assess what we're doing, to evaluate what we're doing, to take that step back on a regular basis and say, what is my long-term goal here? Um, You know, ultimately, I'm trying to get myself and others to heaven, right? I mean, ultimately, that's our goal in life, our long-term goal. So we should be assessing the things that we do all the way down to the little minutia with regard to whether or not it's getting us closer to that goal of heaven. And not like every, you know, every dish you wash or every kid's nose you wipe and all of that, like you have to be consciously thinking that you're moving closer to heaven. But what I'm what I'm saying is that, you know, having that long-term goal in your mind is really important for your level of happiness and satisfaction in what you're doing, but also in making the choices about what you'll be doing. Um, you know, at the end of each day, do we evaluate what we're doing with regard to, did I advance in my career? Did I, you know, get the kids into that important school? Or, um, you know, are my kids in all the different activities and succeeding in the way that I want them to succeed in life? Well, maybe rather than assessing ourselves in that way and assessing our family lives in that way, we should be thinking, am I moving myself and and my children and my husband closer to heaven every day? Because if you did do that today, Today's a good day. You you did a good job. Go you. Because, you know, I and even though it's hard to see that kind of accomplishment on the outside, keeping in mind that long-term goal is key to your level of satisfaction, to your level of happiness, and to deciding what's actually important for you to do on a day-to-day basis. The next thing that running has taught me is that I need time alone that I need time away. And every one of us needs time alone and time away, whatever that looks like in your life. So I didn't start out running or making that a part of my life because of having a need to be alone or to separate myself from the crazy of my life on a regular basis. But it ended up really being that for me. Um, You know, I changed how I felt about running from my single years when it was, you know, something I did because I just enjoyed it and it it wasn't necessarily filling a particular need I had. But now (laughs) I really need it for that reason. And I feel the lack of it when um, I've gone through different seasons where I'm not running. It's not a regular part of my life that I feel that need for time and space. And we all have different levels of need for that. Um, those of us who are more introverted tend to need that kind of decompression away from interaction with other people. And if you're raising a family, 
it's pretty much nonstop interaction with other people. So that can be very challenging for somebody who has that need for time away. And for sure, running has filled that space for me. There have been times in my life, I will never forget the one time um, one of my sons, I won't share details, but I got a phone call about his behavior and I was deeply, deeply disappointed in this child. And I hung up the phone I wasn't sure what I was going to do beyond I'm going for a run. I just, I knew I needed to take that space away before I responded to that situation that I was upset about. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be as dramatic as that. Just taking that space away outside of your routine, away from communication and interactions with other people is an important part of everybody's life. It's an important thing. And it's really hard for moms to get that time. It's really hard for busy women to get that time in their lives where they can kind of decompress or process things, kind of get the right perspective on things. I often find um, that, you know, I'll listen to music or podcasts sometimes when I'm running, but sometimes I like to listen to absolutely nothing. And sometimes I'll pray when I'm running, but sometimes I'll just be and just being and just allowing that space and uh, giving yourself permission to not necessarily be accomplishing something while you're you're running or while you're away in whatever way that you make time for that in your life is so important to recognize that that's okay that we all have that need for that space and that time and so if you're not getting that in your life it's not okay I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not okay. You need to find a way. You need to um, talk to your husband, talk to a friend, um, talk to somebody who can support you in finding a way to get that time on a regular basis. And like I said, it varies for everybody. You know, some people will be fine if they don't have that every single day. Some people need that space every single day. It could even just be five or 10 minutes, you know, that's that's better than nothing. It doesn't have to be hours. And, you know, I recognize that we all have busy schedules and things that we need to be accomplishing. Um, We all have responsibilities that we can't necessarily just step away from at the drop of a hat. But if you're not getting that in your life, it is important. And that's one thing that running has taught me is that that space and that time for getting a perspective and for just being is important. Everybody needs that. The next thing that running has taught me is the importance of planning ahead, which this is key because if you're trying to fit a workout into your day, anybody who's done this knows if you don't if you don't set a particular time that you're going to do it, you're not going to do it. That applies to um, running for sure. That's why a lot of people get up early and run first thing because otherwise it's the thing that gets shuffled around in your schedule and you don't have time for it at the end of the day. Um, I don't tend to get up early in the morning to do it. It just doesn't work for me because I tend to stay up late at night. But um, I do set aside a time. And the thing is, if something's important to you, whether it's getting in a workout or it's um, scheduling time with your husband or whatever it is, if you put it on your schedule and work around it, you you can. You can fit it in. You find that you have time in your days. And this is something that running has taught me um, other things as well. But really, the when I'm trying to figure out on a particular day, like, gosh, I've got a lot going on today. I don't know if I'll get a run in today. It will force me at the beginning of the day to look at my schedule. Oftentimes, I'll just write it out, write out what my obligations are on any particular day and see where there are pockets of time, see where I could fit something in, see um, where somebody else could take on a responsibility, whether it's driving a kid or um, a meal preparation or something that could free me up. And this applies to all of my life, that that kind of planning is important to my own sanity a lot of the times. Because I find that a lot of times when I've got a lot of things going on, I can even have peace, even in the midst of so much busy, as long as I feel like my responsibilities are taken care of and um, my needs are being met as far as having you know time to take care of myself, time to care for my family, time for my marriage. And you get that peace from planning it out, that you're not going to be doing all the things all the time, 
but you'll be doing the thing that's scheduled in that time. And you know there's time set aside for the other important things later on and or on a separate day or whatever it is. That That's what comes from that kind of pre-planning. And I find that that is so important. And it happens to be running has encouraged me to do that because that's the, the thing that I'm trying to fit into my days and the puzzle piece that I'm moving around. But that's an important thing for anybody to do. I think especially a busy woman that's trying to fit a lot into her days can find a lot of peace of mind because a lot of times our mental energy is being taken up by all the other things that we know we need to be doing, that we should be doing, that we're not making time for, that we're feeling guilty about. You know, we're feeling that pull in other directions all the time. And if you take the time, whether it's on a daily basis, a weekly basis, whatever works for you to plan out how you're going to spend your time, you're going to get a lot of peace from that process. You're never going to be able to do everything, but you're going to get a lot of peace in the process of deciding what's most important, setting aside time for it, and knowing there's a time and a place for those important things. The last thing that running has taught me that can apply to anybody is to be more grateful. Running makes me grateful. It makes it produces gratitude in me that I don't think I would otherwise have. Um, first and foremost, for the body that God gave me, I when I'm running regularly, a lot of times when I'm out for a run, it feels so physically good to be strong and healthy. And I know that's not a gift that everybody has. So it makes me very aware of the gift of my health, the gift of strength, the gift of the body that God gave me. And um, not only that, but makes me grateful for other things in my life because it forces you to kind of take that step away that um, you know, it, it gives me that perspective. Like, I'm I'm so grateful for my family, for my husband, for them, my friends, my different relationships that I have time to think about when I'm stepping away and taking that time um, for me. It also makes me grateful for God's creation, because except for those times when I'm stuck on a treadmill staring at the numbers on the screen in front of me, I love to run outside. Um, I, I think I shared with you that this past winter I pushed and um, I ran more outside than I had in previous winters. It just, it's so, so, so challenging in New Hampshire to run outdoors. I know people do it. Um, it ends up not being a safe thing for a lot of the year here that the roads are icy and the snowbanks are high and it's just not a good idea to be out on the roads running. Um, but this past winter, I did more than I had in previous winters, and it made me grateful for the season of winter in a way that I usually am not. I usually approach it as something to just survive. But being outdoors and um, being out in that fresh, cool air and seeing the beauty of the snow, it really kind of changes your perspective and makes you grateful for the world that God created, getting out in it, however you do that can make all the difference and can help you to kind of cultivate that gratitude in yourself. So it doesn't have to be running that cultivates that gratitude. It could even just be going out for a walk through the woods or going on a hike with your kids or just getting out in, in God's creation, I think naturally gives us that kind of perspective. You know, we're not built to be indoors. We're not, you know, God didn't make man to be in a cubicle or sitting in uh, an office staring at a computer screen. God didn't make us for that. He made us as part of his creation. And so we need to be more grateful for that. And one way in which we can be grateful for that and recognize our place in the world, uh, I think with more proper perspective, is to get out in it, force ourselves out there. It really changes your mood. And using your body physically, we're physical creatures. God gave you a body, you know, and that's part of what I think I've become more grateful for, more aware of, uh, more aware of taking care of my body just by using it in that way, regularly using it for um, physical fitness in a way that I feel like God made me to do that. And it feels very natural and naturally cultivates that sense of gratitude. And one thing about gratitude is the more you do it, the more you do it, <laughs> I have found that if you get in the habit of choosing to be grateful, it kind of feeds itself and you very naturally start being more grateful in your approach to life in all the different aspects. So that's something that could apply to anybody, not necessarily a runner. So um, I'm 
going over time here. So those are my five different things that I've learned from running that can apply to anyone. First, you're stronger than you think. Long-term goals are most important. We all have a need for time away, time alone. Planning ahead is important. It makes a big difference and that we need to be more grateful. If you're a runner, I would love to hear from you. I love talking to other runner geeks and runners of all ages and stages. That's one thing that I love about running is that you don't have to be this Olympic athlete to say, I'm a runner, because you can just be a mom that goes out and puts in whatever miles you do during the week. Or you could be a, a a walker runner. There's all different levels and stages of it. Anyway, if running is a part of your life, I'd love to hear your perspectives on what I've shared today. And if running is not a part of your life, I'd love to hear the the kind of perspectives and the kinds of lessons you learn from the things that you do that are unique. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash daniellebean or Voxer. I've gotten some messages I'm going to share later in the show from Voxer, which is cool and fun. If you don't know what that is, it's an app that you can download onto your phone and then it allows you to send voice messages to all of your contacts. And you can get my contact information for Voxer at the show notes for this episode number 21 at daniellebean.com. Hey, Girlfriends listeners, I'd like to tell you about a new way that you can help support the production of this podcast. Patreon is a website that enables you to support projects like artwork, music, and podcasts. When you create an account at Patreon, you have the option to pledge your support for Girlfriends at patreon.com slash girlfriends. You can pledge as little as a dollar per show, and you can set a monthly limit so it never costs more than you're expecting. Your pledge of support not only makes it possible for me to continue to produce the podcast and make it available free for all, but it also can earn you bonus benefits, including access to bonus content. Depending on your level of support, you can receive thank you bonuses like access to monthly Google Hangouts, a personal Skype call with me, and a free signed copy of my book. Go to patreon.com slash girlfriends to find out all the details about this simple way you can help support the Girlfriends podcast and make it available to everyone. Your pledge of support means so much. Patreon.com slash girlfriends. Hey, girlfriends. Who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. This week, I'm happy to be sharing a recent conversation that I had with Mary Lenneberg. You probably already know Mary because she's all over the internets. <laughs> she's all over social media. She has a great blog. She just shares beautifully from her heart in all of the very real struggles she has as a wife, as a mom, um, and her recent experience of losing her um, adult-aged disabled daughter for whom she cared for her entire life. It really very deeply moving story, but through it all, Mary always has a sense of humor, and she's just a joy to talk with. Take a listen. Hey, everyone. I am so happy to be welcoming a special guest here to the show on Girlfriends today. Mary Lenneberg is here visiting with us. Mary is a wife and a mom, a blogger and a book contributor who shares beautifully online and in real life about the ups and downs of a mom and a wife, especially as a mom to a child with special needs. She shares through her blog and social media about the beautiful and inspiring life that she shared with her disabled daughter, Courtney, who went home to God December 27th in 2014 at the age of 22. Now she continues to share as a grieving mom, but also as a wife and a mom to her grown son about life, love, work, play, and her frequently fabulous shoes. She does that sharing at passionateperseverance.blogspot.com. Hey, Mary, welcome to Girlfriends. I am so glad you're here. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so glad I'm here too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to add your voice to girlfriends because you just, you have so much to share, you know, including but not limited to those fabulous shoes. So if any, I know the story of my feet. (laughs) Well, I'm a shoe girl too, so I totally get it. And I love the Instagram photos and we'll definitely put a link to your Instagram if any. Your shoes should always tell a story about your day. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think that that's a great, a great thought, especially on the value of shoes. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we'll get to our regular questions in a minute here. But Mary, maybe you just want to share for people who aren't familiar with your story just briefly. um, And I know this is impossible to do, but (laughs) 
what your experience has been with your daughter, Courtney, and, um, you know, the, the kinds of things that you, you tend to share in your writing? Sure. Um, well, Courtney was born um, perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong during my pregnancy or anything like that. And when she was five weeks old, she started having seizures. And for the next um, 22 years, she basically had a seizure every day of her life. Um, we tried a couple of different medical um, different medical procedures to try and stop them. And one of them, when she was nine months old, changed our life forever. She, uh, we gave her a steroid. We found out she was allergic to steroids after giving it to her. She went septic. Um, she lost her sight. Um, and she never proceeded past nine months in development, in brain development. So when she passed away, she was five foot eight long string bean of a beautiful young woman, but she was like a nine month old baby. Um, so, you know, our life was not an easy one, but it was not a horrible one. She was always an incredibly peaceful kid. She was a spicy little number. She had her things like she loved food, loved to eat. And if you weren't on time with it, just like any other small child, she would let you know, but, um, not a fan of shoes like her mom. She spent most (laughs) of her time trying to kick them off, usually in mass hitting the person about two rows behind us. Um, we had a, a beautiful moment one uh, Easter Sunday. We're in mass. We have the silver little shoes on with the little elastic so they'd stay on our feet. She got agitated about them being on her feet. So she basically kicked her leg out in her wheelchair and one flew behind her. And we, we heard it hit someone. But of course, you're in the middle of mass. So and I'm afraid to turn around in this beautiful, handsome gentleman during the communion line comes in front of us, stops, kneels down, puts her shoe back on her like Cinderella and kisses her, her foot and then goes back to his seat. And I'm like, Oh my All right, Court, you can you can kick that foot again. That's good. <laughs> All right, I you know, and my husband and I after mass, he came up and he said, you know, it was a privilege that that a saint hit him with her shoes. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, she had her. You know, it was it was not. It's the hardest thing about I think um, caring for Courtney mm-hmm. is that differential in my brain of, yes, I am her mother, but I was also her caregiver. And those are two very different roles. And, um, and that was hard for me sometimes. That was a struggle as we went through our life. But, um, you know, God is so generous and so gracious with his mercy. Um, and so I, in the end, on her final day here, she died in my arms with a smile on her face. And I knew that when she closed her eyes here, she opened them up to see her beloved. And that's all she wanted. She had done her job here on earth as he had asked her to do. And, um, she only knew love. And how many of us can say that in our lives that we only knew love. We only knew how to receive it. We only knew how to give it. Right. Um, and she is one of those innocent ones. The world is, is inundated with innocent beauty, um, among our special needs kids. And, Unfortunately, most of the universe thinks that, you know, they are unworthy. Right. And that's why I really appreciate the story that you share and that you shared during her life, uh, Courtney's story, uh, because I think that's a much needed message to the world today. It's a much needed counter to our culture that devalues life if it's anything short of perfection. Well, her life was perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, everybody always uses the word normal. I don't believe in normal. I don't think there's such thing as normal because my normal and your normal are two di- different things. So whose normal is right? Right. You know, our family was very unique. We had a perfectly abled son and a, and a profoundly disabled daughter. I mean, I couldn't have had them on a bigger spectrum than they were. Jonathan sure. literally is a genius. His IQ is a genius IQ. Courtney's couldn't, you know, register on an IQ scale, but they taught each other something. God chose Jerry and I to be their parents. God chose Jonathan for Courtney and Courtney for Jonathan. There was something each of them had and, you know, in their life that they needed the other one, that God needed the other one to have. Mm -hmm. And the hard part now is that now that Courtney's gone, she's been gone for 16 months and um, the lessons she needed to teach us have already been taught but we're still kind of digging through them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still, we're still unpacking them every day. Right. Um, Jonathan, it's funny. He's 26. He's six foot two, big guy. And, you know, he could lift his sister and, and fling her around like a softball if he wanted to, but he was always so gentle and so careful 
and just loved her and protected her. Beautiful. And we really went through a time after immediately after her death where we sort of all looked at each other and said, now what do we do? We all had a job. You know, sure. we, knew, we were a team and everybody had their, their part. And when you're missing a team member, they're done. They retire. You right. Know? Right. Look at going, oh, what do we do? Because what that now? Gap, yeah. Yeah. Never be filled. And we don't want it to be filled, you know? Courtney sure. Was Courtney. And right. she was, she was a beautiful, beautiful burden. And, um, one, I'm very, very grateful that the good Lord allowed for us. Yeah. And we're grateful for the way that you've shared and continue to share. You know, I think the message that you're sharing now as a grieving mom is, is equally valuable. Um, it's it's a kind of message that our world needs to hear today. It's the kind of support and encouragement that many grieving women need to hear that they're not alone in that. And what fascinates me about grief is that everybody expects it to have a timetable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like you get a cold, you get over a cold, you go back to work. Right. Well, you know, you love a kid, your kid dies, you go back to work. <laughs> Not and exactly. Like, no, I don't. So, you know, grief proves that, that there was love, right. you know, to hurt means you love someone enough that it hurts that they're gone. Mm-hmm. And in such a disposable society, especially where many people make the decision in utero when they find out their kids, um, and some of them incorrectly diagnosed right. with whatever, um, disability, uh, or disease, and they make that decision right there that, that it's, they just can't do it for whatever their reasons are. And I, it's such a loss to me because, um, yes, it's hard. You betcha. It's darn hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it drains everything you've got. But in the end, um, there's a life and there is a dignity of life to be respected. And we loved her as we would want to be loved ourselves. And I think every human person deserves that. Absolutely. Yes. Such a needed message. Thank you for doing that, Mary. Um, But I want to make sure we get to our questions that we ask everybody. So this counts as a girlfriend's interview. (laughs) Um, So, and hopefully you'll be sharing some more of those thoughts as well. But um, Mary, can you share with us, first of all, a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you first ever feel a sense of accomplishment in your work or in your personal life? Um, I would, I was thinking about this question. I, I knew I had a gift for storytelling when I, um, I was a senior in high school. I was dysle- undiagnosed dyslexic, dyslexic, so you can't even say the word. <laughs> you <laughs> spelled I, it wrong. <laughs> I spelled it wrong. said it wrong, spelled it wrong. Until I was in college. And um, so I was a senior in high school. I had horrible grades, went to a huge school in, in Maryland, in the city. And um, I was like number 363 out of 372 or something like that. Oh it was horrible. Gosh. I just hated school. Sure. And I actually um, was offered a scholarship to the junior college. I had to bring my grades up to a C, um, and I was offered a scholarship if I did that. And so I worked my tail off that last semester, but it all came down to an interview. And I was able to sort of weave a tale of of, of 95% truth and 5% Irish storytelling. And they were amazed, and and I got the scholarship. Nice. So I was really proud of myself that I was able to take, as my mom says, the Irish can always make a, a pile of dung smell like roses. And <laughs> you know, I did it, and I was very proud of myself. And I didn't, I didn't do anything. You know, I wouldn't, I I couldn't tell my mom or dad or not be proud of. So right. that was it. Was the first time I actually felt smart. Like I got into college. That is awesome. But I had no shot at at any kind of college education at that point. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that was the first time I really sort of felt like a sense of achievement that, okay, Mary, yes, you might have some issues in your life. We all do, but you're not dumb. You can do this. And I did. So. I love that. And I think that's a nice little foreshadowing for what was to come. You know, the the ways in which you've grown and shared as a writer. Amazing. See, I, I still, I, oh, I struggle with the words. I struggle with the words. You should hear me. I, I, as a liturgist in my job, now I work for the church. I'm a director of liturgy. We had to do the corporal works of mercy. And I spelled the word bear your wrongs mm-hmm. as in B-A-R-E. As <laughs> our pastor was going to get up and bear his wrongs. It's not a good moment in my career. That's oh, my that. gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, So you need a proofreader. I do. (laughs) A beautiful, beautiful thing. So if anybody ever reads my blog and they're just wondering, just go with the opposite. That's right. 
the opposite. <laughs> my eyes did not see it. Just work with me. That's right. We'll be okay. patient. But I haven't noticed any such thing in your writing. I just think you get right to the heart of the story in a beautiful way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very wrong. That's great. Yeah, great. Well, okay. Now moving on to a mistake. These are always entertaining. Um, Mary, can you tell us about a mistake that you once made, whether it was in your professional life or your personal life, and what did you learn from that? Okay, I decided to go with a funny one here. Awesome. I was newly married. Uh, wife and my husband was coming home. He was in the Navy. He flew in the Navy, and he was coming home from a, a six-week away, and he had just called on our little flip phone thingy (laughs) of the ancient days and said he was on his way. And so 20 minutes later, there was a knock at the door and I answered the door and let's just say a negligee. And it was the UPS man. (laughs) No way. You're kidding me. I don't joke about such things. This is not that Irish storytelling. This is for no. real. Oh, this oh my is Mary gosh. and her full on. Oh, I, I, I'm so excited to see my husband. And needless to say, I never, ever, ever, ever have answered the door um, in anything but full on armor. Wow. <laughs> oh, my never. gosh. So, yeah, do you have a special relationship with that UPS guy now? <laughs> oh, I California, so we no longer live there. Okay. So like, you had to leave the state. Yeah, after yeah. a mistake like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I still haven't. Like, every once in a while, Jerry, I'll bring it up. Do you remember the time? No, let's not. Let's I love that though. I love that you were so spunky in your marriage anyway. I well, think that's okay. great. 22 years old. He'd been away for six weeks and yeah, I was, yeah, I was so happy to see him. It was, bad. Um, it was Dave, the UPS. I'll never forget his name because I saw it in the brown uniform. He probably won't UPS. forget yours either, Mary. <laughs> I don't know if I told him much. I don't know. It was just not a good situation. So cute. I love it. Well, that is great. You never know what you're going to hear here on Girlfriends, I tell you. Well, you're talking to girlfriends. So That's right. Go. Let it all out. Great. All right. Moving on, Mary. What's the best advice that you have ever received? Who gave it to you? And how do you try to implement it in your life? This was an easy one for me. Um, okay. On my blog, there's a quote from my dad, um, Joe Green. And um, he's been gone now for 15 years. He died of cancer 15 years ago. Um, and it says, never quit, never give up, never lose your faith. It's the one reason you walk this earth. God decided that this was the time for you. So, you know, give it your best shot. And wow. um, he used to say that all the time. I'm one of eight. I have six brothers and a sister. And um, I'm number two out of eight. So I have an older brother myself, five, five brothers and my sister. So I was kind of like the second mom and um, happily so. And he used to say that to us all the time. You know, right. the only gift your mom and I really have ever given you in your life is your gift of your faith, of your Catholic faith. And um, yeah, I, I just pick apart, you know, <laughs> never uh-huh. quit, okay, never give up, never lose your faith. Um, God chose this time for me and for my husband and for my children. Um, you know, so I just take it apart each day to whatever my challenge of that day is. And Mm -hmm. it's just always with me, always with me. I love that. That's a great, that's great, inspiring words of advice there, especially about that God chose this time for you that I think we all need that reminder sometimes. I, I think it's easy to kind of fall into that trap of second guessing God and his, his plans for us, like, seriously? I mean, you know, or... Oh, it's not to say that I don't sit there and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? But he's a big enough God. He can handle my, are you kidding me? You know, right. um, and he can handle when I, when I get in those desperate places. Um, and I just want to scream and yell and go, what? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what direction I'm supposed to go in, but you know, he's a big God. He's a big boy. He can, he, he can let me go through my process. He made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a quiet person. And so I don't, I don't discern quietly. And, um, and he knew that <laughs> he created me. He knew every hair on my head. Um, and ones that I would pull out as I went through my frustration, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's a, that's the beauty of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love that reminder to, not be second guessing him he knows what he's doing he knows what he's about and he knows each of us intimately like you said he knows the hairs on your head so he's not he's not going to mess up what he calls you to (laughs) well you know he he doesn't create anything bad you know everything that comes from him is good um uh, something my mom used to say is doubt your doubts because they're not they're from the devil 
see, it's always with the D. My mom was big into alliteration. <laughs> uh, that's to come from the devil. So, um, yeah. and she's absolutely right. The deceiver wishes us to get off track. And the best way to do that is for us to question God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great advice from your mom and your dad now. From mom and my dad. I was pretty darn lucky. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, but before we move into your lightning round, let's just, um, real quick, I'll ask you, if you could go back in time, have a conversation with yourself 15 years ago, what would you say? Just stop worrying about it. Um, I really hang on to the scripture, Ephesians 3.20, paraphrasing it is, the generosity of God can never be outdone. If I could go back 15 years and tell that desperately hurting young mom who just wanted everybody to be okay, wanted her son to not be angry about his sister not being normal, you know, Mm -hmm. struggling in my marriage at that time. I mean, just... It will all be okay if we just trust. It comes down to the big T, trust mm-hmm. that um, God's got your back. And, you know, one breathe in, breathe out, take one step at a time. And that would have saved me an awful lot of anguish, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's good advice for all of us if we could go back in time and, and tell ourselves. But we can tell ourselves that now, you know, that there's stuff that we're worrying about now that's all going to fall into place. And that idea of trusting is so important. Indeed, indeed. Indeed. Well, now, speaking of trust, do you trust me <laughs> to go through 60 seconds of fast, fun questions on as the girlfriend? As long as you don't ask me about the UPS man, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> All right. We, I promise not to bring up UPS. Okay. All right. <laughs> but you'll survive. You'll do great. Okay. All right. So are you ready, Mary? I'm ready. All right. It's Mary Lenneberg's Lightning Round on the Girlfriends podcast. Here we go. Okay, Mary, when you get a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? I watch Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, then this probably is the answer to the next question. I said, what's the last Netflix you watched? And was it thumbs up or thumbs down? Gilmore Girls, thumbs up. Okay. Um, And you're so self-deprecating in the things that you share. What's one thing that you're surprisingly good at? Oh, uh, I'm a very good, um, I'm a very good dancer. Nice. I can ballroom dance. Awesome. I'd love to see that. All right. Great. Um, All right. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Okay. My kind of girl. Twitter or Facebook? Uh, Twitter. No, not Twitter because that's too many characters. Facebook. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) See, I got all Twitter painted. I know. All right. What surprised you most about being a mom to a child with special needs? Oh, that I could see her perfection. Beautiful. That I could see her perfection. Yeah. Um, and just how awesome it would be. Wow. Wow, beautiful. Okay, and that's a great question to end on. You did great. Oh, yay. (laughs) Nice answers. I love it, Mary. Thank you so much for sharing that. And now before we have to say goodbye, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to something that you're doing. What are you... What are your challenges these days? You mentioned that you're a liturgist. Um, yes. What's new in your world? What are you excited about? Well, I'm, I'm now, a, I work full time now outside the home as the director of liturgy at our local parish. So I am actually in charge of the funerals, which is, I think, just the most beautiful gift uh, that God could hand me out of, out of tragedy. Um, I just, it's an honor to help other families go through what we've been through. And then um, I'm going to be speaking in a couple places um, out in Portland for the Women Rejoice Conference in, in August. And um, I have a new blog series going on, started yesterday, called um, With 31 Days with Our Lady, um, Love from One Mother to Another. So that'll be going on throughout May. Beautiful. Yeah, just Great. some good things. Just, really yeah. good things. I love I'm that you're going out time. to Portland because I was there a couple of years ago, and those are awesome people. Oh, I can't wait. You're I'm gonna, so excited. You're going to have a blast, and they're going to love you. Oh, you're going to be amazing. I hope so. Well, I'll leave that up to the Holy Spirit. I'm just <laughs> <excited> to go. <laughs> just... <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to be great. I know they're going to love you. They're really wonderful people there. So perfect. Well, great. Thank you so much, Mary, for taking the time to share with us here in Girlfriends. Again, it's Mary Lenneberg, and I'm going to link up her blog post in the show notes at daniellebean.com. She blogs at passionateperseverance.blogspot.com. Thank you, Mary. God bless you. And, and thank you for all that you do to inspire and encourage us all. Oh, well, right back at you, sister. It's it's just a, an absolute joy and privilege to be with you. And thank you for this podcast and for everything else you've got your hands in. God is good. And uh, thank you for sharing yourself with us. God is good indeed. Thank you, Mary. God bless you. All right. You too. I just love Mary. 
I love everything that she shares and the way in which she shares it. So if you haven't already read her stuff, you'll want to go and uh, check out her website, check out her blog, check out her social media. She's just a wonderful follow. You won't regret that. Um, Now I just want to share a little bit of feedback. I'm not going to be able to share all of the feedback that I've gotten uh, this past week, uh, not today in this show, because the children have found me. (laughs) I'm recording this out in the driveway, sitting in the car, and they found me. They're finally out of bed, and they're expecting like breakfast and schooling and we've got doctor's appointments to run to. So, um, uh, but I do want to share at least one piece of voice feedback that I got uh, this week from Amy. Hi, Danielle. My name is Amy and I listen to your podcast every week and I hesitated calling you and recording because I thought who wants to hear somebody call and say they think their husband is wonderful how annoying. But um, I say that my husband is wonderful and we have a very wonderful marriage. I'm still attracted to him after 13 years. I think he's so wonderful in every way. And yet it's not like everything's perfect. It isn't, you know, we have our burdens. He's not Catholic. So I have to lead the family that way. And um, there are a lot of difficulties that come from that, that I had never imagined in our day-to-day life, but we have a beautiful family with six kids and he loves children, and he loves me, and he takes such good care of us. Um, but I was thinking about the Alice von Hildebrand book you were talking about, about the Tabor love. And um, I really do have a vision of my husband. I always have from the very beginning, even when other people didn't believe in him because we had a rough start. And I always saw this vision of who he was going to be, and I watch it unfolding every year, every month, really. I see who he's becoming, and and how God sees him. And it's a real gift. And I I don't know where I got it. It's undeserving, but it gets us through a lot of hard times, you know, financial burdens and, you know, our struggles with our faith and with kids and just the regular stuff of marriage. But I really do think he's the most wonderful man in the whole world. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much, Amy, for calling on Voxer and leaving that message because I don't think people don't want to hear about happy marriages. I think we don't talk about it enough. I think we don't often enough praise our spouses, especially in public, especially among friends, um, especially to other people. I think people who are happily married should speak out more often. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you felt comfortable sharing that. Um, you know, even if someone is struggling in their marriage, I think there's a lot of hope in in hearing about how other people's lives are not perfect, and yet they find ways to be happy together. And I love that you shared all that you did there, Amy. And Again, mentioning that Alice von Hildebrandt uh, book, I'm going to put a link in the show notes again this week because I can't tell you enough that that's a very valuable book. It's a great book to give to a newlywed, but even us old married folks need those reminders sometimes. So very helpful, very useful. So you can connect with me on Voxer just like Amy did. There's a link in the show notes at daniellebean.com or you can click the tab on daniellebean.com to leave a voice message. I would be happy to hear from you that way or send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on social media. I'd love your feedback about Mary Lenneberg's interview, the things we talked about there. Um, sharing about your marriage in the way that Amy did or give me feedback on today's show topic. What what things have you learned from physical fitness in your life? What lessons have you taken away that can apply to yourself and to others? I always love hearing from you. So I would welcome any feedback that you have to offer. And thank you again for being here, for making the time to spend with me every week here on Girlfriends. Your presence here means so much. It really does. I appreciate all the reviews on iTunes, all the people who have subscribed. If you haven't already, go to iTunes or whatever you like to listen to and hit subscribe. That's a way that we can be sure that we're going to stay connected here on Girlfriends. But really, I just really appreciate the fact that you're listening, the fact that you give me feedback. I really appreciate your presence here. So thank you for being here for another week. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.